back with Fit for Life Radio. Is that your radio voice, man? Did you like that? Was that better? Yeah. It was authentic. I liked it. That yeah. was, it was all right, I guess. I don't think Drew, I have it. Drew me in. It's all right, man. I don't think I have it. Well, we are back, and we are here today with your hosts, hosts. me, Gary, and then we have Will and Ben, and we have a guest today to make it more interesting. That's going to be Forrest. The Forrest. Forrest with two R's. With two R's. That's right. Mm-hmm. Forrest with two R's. Not Gump. Party. Just uh, my my good old friend and and uh, friend way longer. And then also one of my first clients as well uh, is, yes, Forrest Corey. Say hi okay. to the folks. Hi. Well, Thanks for having me on. So we're going to be chopping up before so he has a unique interesting fit for life story um going back to uh well tell him kind of what you, what you do now so your current situation and job and all that fun stuff uh yeah no problem uh before i do though i kind of feel like i need to weigh in on the um i'm gonna listen to the podcast the uh, the dill pickle um conversation isn't one one of these guys uh you know just independently opposed to dill pickles as a philosophy uh um, yes yes uh ben don't yeah yeah i just feel like philosophy. right i feel like i need to to weigh in on this because i i mean i would eat dill pickles with every meal there we I, go. I, I think they're fantastic i sometimes pull them out of the jar and eat them as snacks you know because i have no idea if they're healthy or not gary can tell me but they it's taste just delicious. vinegar, baby. I think they're good. It's just vinegar, yeah. Right? I mean, yeah, but, nutritional value probably limited, but they are uh, wonderful. Wrap them up with need, some deli meat, and I'm good to go for at least another if hour. If you need like a good salt hit, just oh, there's nothing better than a pickle, on man. purpose, like vinegar in the mouth. Like that's the part that I don't. But mm, doesn't I think you're good. just doing it wrong. I think that you just need to get some artesian something from Whole Foods for like you know ten dollars for three. <laughs> something obnoxiously not even like a snobby. whole pickle it's just three slices it doesn't even make a whole one mm. yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right you know for 11.99 on sale i think that's your that's your you just have you know a too refined palate that's what i think mm. but i just i just saw i didn't mean to digress no. i just felt like i had to weigh in on that conversation no nah, feel no, free to wait noted in, yeah no i appreciate that i can tell you put a lot of thought into that you know from the from another <laughs> podcast and uh it won't be taken lightly i i may need to adjust the view you know, one day, man, and you know what, you guys, I, I feel like I've mentioned this in our gym refrigerator. I've had, <laughs> I've had a jar that has one pickle left in it that I left for the one day that maybe Ben thinks that he might want to try a pickle. There it is. And it, it has ben. been there for at least, I'm going to say two years. That it's been there. And yeah, I, that's the beauty about pickles, right? It's still good. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just sitting in vinegar. It's going to be good for another 10 years. So, I mean, nuclear holocaust, and I'm good, and Ben is absolutely yeah. just out of luck. Yeah, right, you're yeah, right. Exactly. I'm, eat, I'm eating the radiated meat and just... Yeah, but we got our pickles, baby. Yep. Yeah, good. so in case he ever decides to, to do it or, you know, gets drunk enough to... His inhibitions are low enough that he wants to try it, well, then I got him. That's good, but we're going to have to find a happy medium because we need him to remember it. So drunk yeah. enough that he'll try it, but not so drunk that he won't remember it. Yeah. I do have a, you know what, I've never done that before, phase during, <laughs> during, well, during my darkness that I do remember. Experiment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> never tried. That, is, that is a quality. I've never tried that before. <laughs> now, now I know that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, good. All right. Now that we've settled that, at least we've got a plan of action in place. Yeah. We can move forward with some more applicable details about my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Yeah, so no Gary, like you said, forever, but currently um, I live in uh, Wake Forest, North Carolina, uh, right outside of Raleigh, and I am an equipment sales rep, uh, fitness equipment sales rep, excuse me, for Life Fitness and Hammer Strength. Um, so I travel around the Carolinas uh, selling gym equipment to the gyms, PT studios, YMCA's in the area, which is a fun gig, um, which keeps me in the fitness industry, which I appreciate. I like to work out in gyms. I'm a very avid mountain biker. Um, got a beautiful wife, Megan, and two little maniacs, Little Forest uh, 4.0, the fourth, uh, who's five. And uh, Haven is our almost three-year-old that, uh, that keeps us on our toes. So doing the, the weekend warrior, or sometimes midweek warrior, as, as I'm actively training for a mountain bike race and um, you know, trying to keep everything in balance. Right on. Awesome. Awesome. Mm-mm. So, and then also before the the two two munchkins, you you were a professional baseball player for a while, right? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously played baseball um, all the way through high school. Played at the College of William and Mary for a couple of years, uh, about three years there, and then was fortunate enough to sign professionally with the uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks back in oh gracious. Um, Oh, Gary had legal. Was that 2006, maybe 2007, something like that. Um, yeah. yeah, and then played four years of pro ball. Just banged around the minor uh, minor leagues with a lefty pitcher. Um, got up to Double A for those that are familiar with the intricacies of the minor league uh, system. Uh, but uh, yeah, that career went up, and then it uh, it, it promptly went down, and then uh, quote unquote retired at the the age of 26, if you call it that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Right page at 26. That's it. Yeah, I rode off into the sunset with the with my spikes slung over my shoulder, with my um, you know uh, travel check of seven hundred dollars to get me back home to Newport News, Virginia, as my severance package. Thanks. Damn thanks, guys. Nice. They just cut you loose, man. That's it, man. They said thanks. You are free. But isn't like 26 about like the time where most? Well, actually, maybe I don't even know if pro athletes usually even make it to that. Like the average. Yeah, I mean, all things, yeah, especially in baseball, all things being equal, you're going to get a couple of years to kind of make or break your career. Most guys start, unless they're a high school guy that signed out of high school, I mean, most guys start in their early 20s. If they have any success at all in the lower levels, they'll move them up. And, uh, you know, if they've got a few million dollars invested in you, you'll get a few extra years to figure it out. They had a, a little bit, just a, a touch less than that invested in me, so I don't, I don't know if I got as many second chances as some of the other guys. But that's, that's all good. I, I feel like I maximized my potential. Honestly, I do. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know that I was quite major league skill level uh, available there, but um, definitely gave it a good shot, gave it a good run. But uh, yeah, as you kind of get into your late twenties. You crest over that 30-year-old mark. You see guys that really are either going to be career minor leaguers uh, or they're going to walk away from the game because you kind of know at that point if you're going to make it. And, yeah. you know, and, that, and that really kind of happens in the late 20s to, to that 30-year mark, give or take. Yeah. Got it. All right. So talk now, obviously, uh, you know, training as a professional athlete and exercise is just part of your job. So it's, it's something you do in, in – and you're super committed to now talk about how i know one thing not that you struggled with but it's i think this is for anyone whether they were a professional athlete or not as you go from when you were younger more in your peak so to speak uh to then transitioning to as you get older how, how you have to balance it how's that been for you from when you went from training and and your job was basically in the off season to just focus on 
everything with that to now, you know, you have a couple kids, you have a job where you travel a lot, um, you can't do the things because you can't commit the time to the training that you used to be able to do. Has that been a transition for you? Yeah, no, it, it actually, it definitely has. I'll, I'll, a couple different ways I could address that question. But I mean, first, I mean, I just miss my 20s in general for a lot of reasons, but especially from, from, from the training side of it, man. I mean, when I was training with you and I was either a college or, or minor league baseball player, it was literally part of my job. So you prioritize it, you schedule it, and other things move around it, right? Like that is part of you know what you need to be be an athlete so i had my set training days and then we used to do like heavy deadlifts and heavy squats on the same day just because we could like do you remember that like it was just like i feel good why why not just squat heavy after deadlifting heavy if my body wants to do it i remember that, that dude yeah like that shit doesn't fly anymore it does not it absolutely <laughs> does not fly anymore so there's a piece of that where like we would have strength seasons in our training off season where we would like you know deadlift heavy squat heavy max out on these things in the name of building strength so that i'm better prepared for for the next off season uh, or the next um in season excuse me and um you know that mentality was so ingrained in me that when when the career kind of came to a close like i kept i just kept training that way like that's just what i did i, I enjoyed it for the most part but again slowly getting older and slowly um you know different um uh, requirements on my time between you know getting a real job and then you know getting married and having kids like you know again you can't exactly prioritize four workouts a, uh, a week every single week above all else so I found myself training super super hard like I always used to train but then maybe not doing it frequently or not being able to, to reach the same you know quote-unquote benchmarks that I used to be able to and that was I mean that was frustrating you know and I was I mean, Gary, you and I have had a couple of conversations about this over the years where just like, you know, mentally I know that I shouldn't try to like, you know, deadlift 450 like I used to be able to and stuff. And like, you know, every now and then I still try to and I just pay for it. Like I just a week later still feel that session and can't do other things that I want to do. Um, you know, most tangibly on the fitness side is I've, I've you know, adopted, you know, mountain biking as a, as a really fun hobby, passion of mine over the last five years. And I can literally remember like, mountain bike rides where like I would be unhappy because <laughs> I was so sore from like trying to squat like you know whatever I tried to squat three days before and just like being mad at myself as I'm climbing up this mountain like because I feel like still sore from this work so it was just a long slow process trying to uh, to assess that be realistic with myself and then and, and slowly adjust you know what my training looked like so that it kind of fit my new lifestyle better and it, I mean it took years honestly a couple of years to get to uh, kind of the situation that I've, I've gotten to now which is a little bit of a better balance and actually kind of swung a completely different direction so so what does it look like now like versus yeah you used to train four like hard days a week and you felt great and you're you know probably the strongest you've ever been so with the mountain biking what is your like what does your typical week look like in terms of your mountain biking versus your your strength training so i'm going to answer that question six months ago i'm actually i'm in, I'm in the middle of training for a really strenuous mountain bike right now it's four rides a week and one day in the gym that's it okay. but that's purposefully because uh of the the, the nature of the, the race that i have in may oh, um, so i'm going to answer that question uh, uh back in mid 2017 when i started to consciously make some changes and, and what i found that worked best for me is 
you know, I'm riding two to three times a week, you know, on my bike. And that's, you know, anywhere from one hour to maybe three hours on the bike, depending upon time. And I consciously had to force myself to only go to the gym and lift weights twice a week. Okay. And it was a total body strength day. Like, you know, so I'll do some form of deadlifts or front squats and, uh, you know, a push exercise, a pull exercise, and then some mobility stuff like, you know, um, uh, you know, back extensions and glute hand bridges, things that, you know, are going to help with core strength, which directly, that, of all the things I do, that directly translated into a better experience on the bike. And I was happier because I wasn't sore and my core was better posture for a long ride. And then, um, you know, the second day in the gym would have been more like kind of explosive total body stuff, be it like maybe thrusters or possibly like a modified um, version of like a, a clean and jerk. I mean, there was a time when, when I was dabbling in the Olympic list. You know, thank you CrossFit for making that look sexy and cool. <laughs> um, and again, same kind of same kind of conversation. I'm like, Gary, dude, like my... My, my wrists, my, my, my shoulders don't feel great. Like, I, I'm not sure if my technique is just that garbage um, or, or if I'm doing something wrong. And, he, you know, uh, talking with Gary about it, he's like, man, like, you've got really long, goofy arms, and you're probably not built for power cleans. I'm like, but I like them. They look cool. <laughs> man, they're, they're so tempting to dive into Gosh, and explore. Yeah, but <laughs> the, the actual efficiency of that exercise and what you get out of it, yeah, I mean, especially when you're training that hard, uh, you know, the other avenue, going mountain biking, like doing what you're doing. Yeah, I can, I definitely fall into that trap uh, a decent amount. And, and, and again, so, I mean, that conversation with Gary was probably, you know, six to 12 months ago where I, I, just, I just cut those Olympic lifts out. You know, so squats, deadlifts, and some sort of push-pull are still in there. But anything, bumper plate, you know, hang clean, power clean, clean and jerk, all of that stuff, like I was doing those with some some consistency maybe a year ago, and they're just not for me overall. I'm not built that way. I don't have you know, monster strong joints and 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 hip mobility and things like that. So that was another conscious change that I had to make where I thought I was heading in the right direction, and then all of a sudden found myself, you know, with like weird shoulder pain, and I don't remember even injuring my shoulder in a move. It just didn't feel good anymore. <laughs> um, so it's been a little bit of trial and error, and uh, a little bit of uh, just finding out what works and then slowly forcing myself to give up things that I thought I, I liked or thought I should be doing in the name of doing what makes my body actually feel good. Which sounds super obvious, but we're stubborn people, right? And like I just you know thought I knew better than I did for myself and had to continue to fine tune it you know based on how my body felt, not what I thought would work. Yeah, I think that's a great thing to touch on is uh, exercise selection, right? You know, and most people don't realize, you know, you know, fitness, the sport of fitness is also a sport like anything else. Like you can attest to this with baseball and uh, even sports like swimming or even even a better example, like a lot of the Olympic sports um, to where, you know, the people you see at the top, a lot of times it's it's attrition, right? Like they they were able to make it through the demands of the sport, right? Like they, they might not have even been someone, you know, everyone works hard for the most part, to get to a certain level. But for example, like most swimmers are tall and lanky because that's the body type that lends itself to swimming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, with Olympic lifting, same thing, like to, to have those uh, joints that can handle it. And like you look at something like a clean, uh, that extension of the wrist is like just not natural. And then under the load of the weight as you get better at it. So, so you know, 
what we do at Coastal and with most of our clients is, um, you know, we try to pick exercises that the risk reward balance makes sense, right? Mm. And even for someone like you, right, uh, who mountain bikes all the time, you're, you're, then your wrists are an extension a ton while you're mountain biking. Um, so it's just taking yeah. all that into consideration and, and then it's the benefits, like the benefit of a power clean of an Olympic lift is the explosive nature, but there's, they found that like doing a, a trap bar deadlift or a trap bar deadlift jump literally works just as well for, for working that, you know, explosiveness. Like there's, they can't really find a difference. So working that quality, you can do it another way almost as good. So then it comes down to just like, Hey, you to do the benefit you're getting from doing cleans is getting better at doing cleans. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's getting better at your sport. Yeah. 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 So and it, then if you're a sport like power lift or uh, Olympic lifting or CrossFit that you need to do cleans then yeah, it's getting better at your sport. Right. But then you have to at some point realize, well, I want to do these hobbies or I'm everyday person trying to get fit and, and it's like risk reward, you know? So, and that's a hard thing to do sometimes because like you said, they are cool or you do see a video on Instagram or whatever and decide you want to dive into doing that. Um, but what you never see is, well, what about when people get injured or the pain they're going through and all that, you know? Just like someone could watch you playing baseball and be like, that's awesome, but they don't know like the shoulder issues and the torn lats and, yeah. and you know all that from throwing the baseball. Like No one's thinking about that when they're watching highlights on, on ESPN and stuff, nope. you know? So... I, I thought about this the other day when you see a guy get whacked in football and he's out cold. Think about how much we've just oh we just, oh it goes to commercial break right and you're just mm -hmm. you know whatever. But dude, that's a human being like that's someone's kid like, and they're laying there concussed you know and it's just crazy when you think about it. Like mm -hmm. we see the glory and the touchdown dances, but no one wants to see all the all the negatives. And in a way, it's the same way with fitness. Yep. So, yeah, you know, and I know when you called, you, you were, you know, talking about your wrists, and uh, I'd even told you before when you started asking about the power cleans, you know, I'm like, well, there's risk-reward, risk, risk reward, you know, so. Um, yeah, you were right, and I completely ignored you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you know what? Like, that's the way it pretty much works. Most, of, most clients, like, they definitely listen and appreciate, but then it normally takes, just like anything else, I'm sure as being a dad, you're learning this with your kids, like, so you, sometimes you just got to make the mistakes on your own to learn, so. Yeah, that's, I think that's how it is, like, as human beings. Like, as everybody, You can yeah. tell anybody anything, but, like, a lot of times you got to learn. Like, you learn for yourself why, and you got to feel it in order to, to kind of actually come around to it rather than just like, oh, don't do that, and you're like, well, why? Why, you know? No, it's, it's exactly my experience. Um, you mentioned something that I wanted to comment on, though, because I did listen to you um, regarding the recommendation to do the, uh, the trap bar deadlifts more often than just straight bar deadlifts, and, and that's been a lifesaver uh, and something. I, still, I mean, full disclosure, I still do straight bar deadlifts sometimes when I just cannot get over the urge to just do a traditional <laughs> deadlift, but more often than not, I opt for that, uh, for that trap bar deadlift, great, and yeah. just it's such it's a better posture, so much easier to maximize the benefits of the lift without, you know, exposing your lower back to potential, you know, injury, um, so that was an awesome recommendation that, you know, I didn't know about previously, I mean, I knew what that thing was, but, you know, you look at dudes in the gym that just do shrugs with that, with that piece of equipment <laughs> instead of actual, actual deadlifts. So it was a, it was an awesome, you know, recommendation that I actually did implement and did listen for a change. <laughs> that is really, that has really paid off because again, you just don't feel quite as wrecked, even if you do go a little bit he heavier with a, with a, with a lift like that because I just find it easier to. 
to maintain better, you know, uh, posture, especially in the core and, and lower back. Yeah, and that's that's what matters, though. You know, especially if you're doing other things, right? Yeah. You're not just doing the gym. Like you have to be good for your mountain biking and just being a dad and and all this stuff. And like, is there anything inherently wrong with a straight bar deadlift? Nah, but it's usually a little more stressful. It's a little harder for your average person to get in the position. The risk yeah. is higher than a trap bar, so you adjust. And like, that's what everybody has to do. You know, assess, like, do I, like, is it worth it to do this or is there another alternative that's gonna be way better for like the rest of my life, you know? So that's, yeah, with anything, if you have anything outside of the gym, like it's something to take into consideration, you know? Yeah, and even, and, and again, like, it, it comes down to knowing your sport, right? Like, yeah, if, you, if you're if you a power lifter, like, then you have to straight bar deadlift. Like, that's right. your yeah. sport, you know? Absolutely. Um, but the funny thing is people get so holed up in, in, like, dogma that they miss stuff. And, like, one of the examples, like, we were talking about the trap bar jump. Like, there's, you know, by hooking people up to stuff and doing studies, like, they've it's been proven to find, like, doing a trap bar jump increases explosiveness more than Olympic lifts, more than power cleans, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, well, it's such a low barrier to entry. There's no, I can say no skill, but the skill to do a trap bar jump is so much lower. So you can just get right to business. Well, there's know? that. And then the way the weight weight is on your side or yeah. the center yeah, mass of right your body, though. you know? Yep. Mm. Um, and then, yeah. And then, you know, it's just, it's just much more, I guess, unique in that regard to where it transfers over. Um, but you know, so yeah, so it really, like, for example, if I had an athlete who's like, my goal is to increase, uh, explosive power, like I would actually choose one option. One would be trap bar jumps over a power clean. Right. You know? Yeah. So in Joe DeFranco who trains football players, then this takes it even further. Like it makes even more sense because if he has a wide receiver who literally makes millions of dollars because of his hands and you, you can't risk than doing a power clean hurting his wrists you know right. yep. like so same thing with a baseball player you know um so it's just really understanding all those things and in dynamics and not just you know going off of emotion and seeing something cool and and, and then jumping to it you know so yep which uh you know which like even you changing it and, and it's gradually changing um you know most people have don't even do that so that's, you know, pat, pat yourself on the back, <laughs> you know, and the thing is like, we've all been there, you know, like I used to straight bar deadlift like all the time and like it was Same. my life depended on it and that's all that mattered. And, and then I would get hurt or feel beat up. And then when I switched to trap bar, I felt better, you know? So like most of what we teach people is cause we, we, we're trying to uh, avoid what we've already learned, you know? Yep. So. Uh, and, I, and I feel like the world is, is getting smarter about this. I mean, in the, in the industry that I am, I mean, I work with club operators and gym studio owners all the time, and every single one of them are, is having conversations with, with me about how they can, you know, create these, you know, functional training, small group training, Olympic lifting. Some of them even call them, you know, CrossFit spaces, which is funny because it's this weird, like, ambiguous world that all, they, they use those words that I just said kind of interchangeably yep. to mean the exact same thing. Um, and, and you really have to, to kind of dig through, you know, how do you actually want your trainers to train? How are they yeah. currently training? What kind of things and what kind of clients do you currently have? And where do you want to take, you know, your personal training, you know, um, focus? And if you want to start a small group training, you know, type of program, I mean, we can sell them 
racks and rigs, and we can literally outfit the exact kind of thing that you would find in a CrossFit box. No problem. We can do that. But understand something. That is astronomically different than if you're looking for you know, a boutique studio room that has TRX straps, heart rate sensors like a company like MyZone, and um, five rowers. And that's a whole, I mean, again, that my customers are talking to me about that stuff as if they're the same thing sometimes. Yeah. And I'm like, we got to really take a step back and actually analyze what the goal is. Yeah, if what do you really a, want? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if you're a hardcore gym and you want to get in racks and rigs with, you know, 400-pound uh, deadlifters going, great, let's do that. But make sure that's what you want compared to are we trying to, to to really focus on and compete with what has gotten so popular on the other side of the spectrum, you know, call it, you know, uh, like your facility, Gary, or your guys' facility, or maybe, you know, more commercially, you know, worldwide, like uh, Orange Theory or something like that. Mm. I mean, those are just different philosophies, and there's still a lot of ambiguity in the industry that, that I work in, in the fitness industry, about, you know, how do we differentiate? What's my personal business model and plan and what do my clients actually want because clients will come in and say yeah i just watched you know crossfit and i want to do crossfit they might not actually mean hand cleans they might very well mean functional training with trx straps it's just yep. it's hard to sift through all of that i don't know how you guys work through that on, on your side with your clients but i know for me and, and my customers it's, it's a i have that conversation five times a week minimum yeah, that's that's pretty much every strategy session of yeah. are you guys like CrossFit? We just strong arm people into into what we do. Right, that's yeah. it. I support that message. We just we just put <laughs> in a headlock and just make them do what we do. Yeah. Well, and like Ben said, that's the problem, right? Like everyone's like, "Are you like CrossFit?" But to one person asking that question, if they legit know what, yeah, CrossFit, like, what do you mean? We gotta, we gotta talk. Like, what do you, like, yeah. what, what do you know about CrossFit? Yeah. Then, then, then they will be super disappointed because we're not right. Like, you're not gonna be doing the wads and the Olympic lifting. But then, in the same token, you could get a person who asks, "Are you like CrossFit?" And to them, CrossFit just means not. Globo gym. Yeah, like you know? group yeah, training with yeah. some functional type fitness. Yeah, like pushing a sled in is and using it is cross. Yeah. So it's like so it's, it's like a loaded question. Like it can mean anything. And functional is another word that has been yeah. uh, basically completely changed. So where you can have any definition of that. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. Right, Are you though? functional training? It's like okay, what do you mean like like just dumbbell up and down functional training or like. You know, using like maces to do rotation, like functional training has yeah, a like wide Yeah, like how functional spectrum. are we talking here? Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> direct relation to your life, or do you still want to build some muscle? Yeah, yeah. It, it's yes, it's we're, we are not a bar studio, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> we are also not a CrossFit bar. And, and again, something they, when they say CrossFit, they could literally just mean small community-based fitness. Right, exactly. like that's the best thing that I mean, regardless of what your opinion on the training philosophies of CrossFit are. The best thing that CrossFit did was kind of packaged and bottled and then executed community, competitive, group atmosphere, fitness that people enjoy doing. You know, enjoy being the operative word there probably for CrossFit. But, but they did a fantastic job of building that community and making it intricate. And I mean, I don't know that there was many people doing that before CrossFit kind of came became mainstream. And they did an excellent job of, of creating some some very passionate folks that, that want to be part of that community. And I think yeah. that can be learned and translated into other, you know, areas of, of fitness, you know, call it functional fitness or small group training or boutique fitness, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I mean, that's, it, that's what we do, you know? Yeah. Well, that's kind of what I mean. Exactly. 
Yeah, that's definitely the trend. That's the best takeaway, you know, that, that we that we've got in that model. Um, I, I think the important thing, like what we do, like how we differentiate ourselves, is focusing on, um, like we focus more on that we're a coaching program. You know, like yep. the full accountability mm -hmm. and like, like, cause you have orange theory and stuff who focuses so much on their workout, you know, right. like, oh, like you and burn the calories and the calories and the burn. And it's about the workout and our workouts unique and yeah, yada, 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 where we have actually found it's better like mo that most people, or at least the type of client that, that fits with us, like they don't care about the details of the workout, you know? They just care more, yeah, about that community and being consistent and the outcome that they want, you know. So we focus more on that we're a coaching program uh, and we help you, you know, get this result. And that's, you know, that's where we kind of like stay in that lane. Yep. So and that's what most of these gyms need to do. Like CrossFit is, I would say, first and foremost uh performance you know now nowadays like most people yeah. who, who specifically are like i want to do crossfit like they understand like they've seen crossfit games they want to get good at crossfit and that and like that's what they want you know so yeah. um which is different it, and everything's interchangeable too because obviously by doing that you you can you know get fitter and, oh, yeah. and, and lose weight and all that but uh, basically what we've done is like flipped it right like our main thing is well do you want to get you know more fit, lose weight, stuff like that? Like that's priority number one, you know. So, um, and you so probably have to be careful not to assume that that's everybody's goal. Like I'm sure that's a secondary goal for some folks that want to do CrossFit compared to a folk, uh, a person that would walk into your facility and, and and say that they they want to get in better shape, right? But there might be also the same client clientele base that really does want to learn the proper way to deadlift, power clean, and hang clean. And oh, for sure. That's probably not y'all's wheelhouse compared to where that might make a lot of sense to uh, to go to either a CrossFit box or man there's even like literally specific like Olympic training centers now that aren't just for like pro athletes they're literally for yeah. folks that want to go to a gym and work with maybe a trainer or maybe a group of guys and the, the entire small facility is full of power racks and deadlift platforms like that's the entire thing yep. and it's designed to focus on teaching and then executing Olympic lifts without the wad, right? And it's crazy how like the industry has really evolved and morphed, and it's gotten so so just focused and niche and and um, and refined that you know if you don't know what you want, I, I would imagine it's it's pretty challenging to the average yeah you know global gym goer who wants to get a little bit more. Not that you can't get that at a global gym, but again, that's where the the boutique type studios really filled a gap in the market that wasn't really being filled five years ago when all you had was a general membership and personal training or like, you know, body pump group fitness. Like this other niche, the small group training, that didn't exist or hardly existed five years ago. It's really incredible how it's developed over the last couple of years and now how many millions of choices that you have. It's created a completely different dynamic, you know, again, for my club operators that are looking at the millennial who's literally spending $150 a month for a couple of weeks at a CrossFit box, then they're going to go to a boutique uh, spin studio and spend another $150 a month there for a month and a half, two months, and then they're going to go to, you know, Coastal and spend whatever you guys charge, you know, $100, $200 a month just for, and that's, those are, those are crazy dollars where that same gym operator is struggling to get 30 bucks a month. It's an interesting dynamic that some folks do well and some folks just are trying to figure out how to do that.
Yeah, and the biggest thing that w- that I've seen because you know I've worked at every type of gym, you yeah. know every every price point is ultimately, you know it sounds hokey, but the money is a big part of it, of the investment in the person, right? Like if someone spends thirty bucks a month, it's not a big enough investment for them to then show up, right? right. Like yeah. oh, I'm not going to. Start. So what pe- the reason that these like you know hundred fifty to two hundred dollar price points uh, work is because people. Like ninety nine percent of our people show up consistently, right. you know. So, yeah. and part of that's because of the price, right? Yep. Like we could throw in whatever equipment, whatever, and if we were fifty bucks a month, we would have. I guarantee you, with nothing else changed, our attendance would be way worse. Yep. It, like it's as simple as that, right? So it's funny while these gyms are trying to scratch their head that are cheaper. Um, that's what they they're not realizing and getting is that like the higher price point gets a certain type of person and it, it, and it's actually better for them you know if they if they you know are want to actually show up and stuff so um, that that's the di- the funny thing is, is sometimes it's not even uh, the value of the actual product it's just the fact that paying more how much um, you're invested in it you know so. Yeah. And then, like you said, and uh, back to the niche thing, that's what's great, right? And if you know who you are, then it's awesome. Like, if we get someone who wants CrossFit, dude, we have no problem referring them you, to the to the CrossFit. Go down the street yeah, to CrossFit sure. OP, man. Yeah, if they want, if they're like, I just want to work out, cool, we'll refer you to, to the Globo Gym. You know, if you don't want all this extra accountability, then, like, dude, yeah. you just go to Planet Fitness, you know? Yeah, um, sure. That's, that's cool. So... It's just understanding, I think, for the con- for the consumer, like know what you want and what you need. You know, like do you need to invest more to actually show up? Then, then find a place like that. Do you want to, you know, do powerlifting or Olympic lifting or CrossFit or then go to a specific place for that? You yeah. know, um, and yeah, and then and every and here's the thing, it can all work, right? Because you know, like drugstores, there's like three on every corner. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. But but what it does is it makes the best of each niche like is is gonna rise rise to the top, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-mm-mm. And and for like when you work with the big global gyms, like that's what they struggle with, right? Whenever kind of a new thing comes out, they try to create their version of it, and but they're still doing like five different things. Yeah, and that's the conversation we that I try to have with them. It's like, listen, you really can't be all things to all people, and you certainly can't compete with everybody on everything like you know especially for the the regular globo gym you know where you know planet fitness on the um the low cost high volume that changed the game in a humongous way right like to be able to charge 10 bucks a month and be profitable and successful and grow the way they have so they've got pressure on that end so do i try to compete that way and try to you know beat planet fitness at their game or do i try to diversify and offer multiple things you know because planet fitness doesn't do like much in the way of personal training or group classes or services and training all that so they 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 kind of punt that so then the the club operator has to sit down and go you know do we want to to then offer more classes and more training options and more of these things and and they find themselves trying to do everything all at once right and so you really kind of have to 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 sit down with them and ask them to really focus on what you think you do best what you can think you can do better and pick like one or two of them Right, you kind of have to kind of go one direction or the other because you can't simultaneously try to, you know, beat Planet Fitness at their game and also beat Orange Theory at their game. It's going to be really challenging to do that. I mean, I, I suppose it could be done if your systems are flawless, but 
that's not normally the case, right? But There's, yeah, more often than not, though, you're not. Like, you can't invest everything into both. Right. Or three it, things. Like, it just doesn't work. It, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's what, what we end up trying to, to walk, you know, our customers through, you know, is just to say, hey, let's think about, you know, what space we have. Because that's the other issue. It's literally physical space from these clubs that used to be crammed full of, you know, treadmills and selectorized equipment. Now is trying to, you know, pull out equipment or convert a racquetball, you know, court or, I mean, even basketball courts are going away in the name of these like training places so that they can cater better to and kind of combat, you know, we call it the boutique effect, right? Like when these all smaller facilities that are boutique facilities are, are taking their members and things like that. They really have to, uh-huh. to figure out what the best way to do that is. And then, you know, they have the benefit of their existing customer base and then to try to create the value on that. And so then it's up to that exerciser to go, okay, I do like having a gym membership, you know, but do I get the full effect of the you know, uh, small group training program that I'm looking for with a big box gym? And, and so, again, some big box gyms do a great job of it, and, you know, others don't. And so that's really where it it's comes back on the, on the exercise or the, the member to, to, to really be honest with themselves about, you know, how much time they have to invest, how much money they have or what to invest, and then what their ultimate goals are, you know, uh, with, with their fitness goals and training goals. Yep. I think yeah. – like a, a lot of what um, like the, the bigger gyms probably run into, like when trying to keep up with, with the Joneses, like having their, the, the program that's like Orange Theory or like CrossFit or whatever, or the small group training, is that thinking that people only like want like that training methodology or that class and that's enough. But like a lot of what people want is like the community and the coaches who care and the actual good coaching and it's not just the modality itself it's a lot of things that come along with it with that smaller like boutique style gym like that is part of the package rather than just oh we need a class where we can you know monitor heart rates all right well maybe that's not exactly you know the full picture you know and trying to keep up like i think some of that's lost in translation that that's also you know what people want on top of just that class yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think the bigger gyms overlook. I mean, I know I can hands down say the biggest difference for us is the quality of our coaches, you know, like, but we invest more in our coaches and in making it a job that they want, you know, so, you know, to brag on Ben and Will, like, you know, it's the best coaching in the area. And, you know, I think a lot of these bigger, you know, gyms and companies, they try to really look at uh, staffing is just a completely system and they can plug and play with anyone, you know, in yeah, any and, person. And different facilities do, you know, good jobs of that and, and, and poor jobs of that. Again, as, as we try to consult with our customers, that's the other thing that I'll say. I mean, shameless plug, Life Fitness, the company I work for, does an incredible job of offering every possible version of the equipment that you would need to implement one of these programs. Again, racks and rigs or, you know, TRX solutions, whatever you need. Like, we can do that for you. We got you covered. Yeah. But, Again, I try to be honest with, with my customers and say, hey, listen, I am literally at most only 50% of this equation. And the other 50% is going to be the programming and the actual physical trainers uh, that you're hiring to run this program for you. I was like, it can make or break you, 100%. You can put the best equipment, the most expensive stuff that I sell, and still without the other side of the program and with that, you know, both the intentionality of the uh, of the trainers as well as the quality of the programming i mean those aren't exact i mean they're close to each other but they're not the exact same thing mm-hmm. you know you can have a great trainer in a bad system and, and end up with just <laughs> some really excited trainers but some really unmotivated uh participants right yeah, or you could have right. fantastic systems but you know mediocre trainers and so even though the program might be effective the 
folks aren't going to love the community and then not be as excited to, to, to keep coming back. So it's, it's kind of a, a three-pronged approach where, you know, I, I really feel like the equipment that I provide is only at most 50% of the equation. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And that's why, like, if you see a gym who opens up who's trying to cater to everybody but they don't quite get – you know, one, like what they're actually trying to do, or two, like the true things that you have to do, like you're gonna flounder. It doesn't yep. matter how new your equipment is or or, or how many services you offer. Mm-hmm. What really matters is like, one, do you get results? And two, are you a place where people wanna come and actually spend their time? Yeah. And if you're not, then people aren't gonna do it, regardless of how shiny your place is. And I would imagine the biggest challenge, and, and maybe Gary, you can, having been a former like traditional club operator, I mean, you can, probably uh, speak to this better than even I can, but I imagine the challenge is being willing to say, no, I'm not going to try to compete in that way. I'm not going to try to be all things to all people. You have to literally be willing to say, nope, we're going to give those members away because we're not going to offer group cycle or nope, the heavy lifter, I cannot, all, you know, they can lift here if they want, but I'm not the right fit. So you got to willing to be able to say, nope, that you know percentage of members needs to go somewhere else. And I would imagine that's that's challenging when you're trying to grow your business as fast and as efficiently as you can. Dude. Remember when we used to get, is this Jazzercise? Oh, <laughs> yeah, You're right, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty, it can be close. if you want it to be. Yeah. <laughs> we, could try, we could try for you. But, but no, dude, that's a really good point, though. Like, if you aren't willing to say no to, like, have your, your standard or whatever it may be, then, like, you're, you're reaching for, for money and not, like, having, like, your true purpose. And I think that's where some places go wrong, too. Like you want everybody and you're afraid to say no because you don't want to miss out on that money and that person rather than, hey, this is what we do. If it's not what you want to do, then, you know, I'll refer you out to X place. And I think, you know, that comes with having kind of a a set of values and and what you want your gym to be. And and it's interesting on the other end of the spectrum, like I tell people all the time, like, honestly, Plant Fitness did that better than anybody that I've ever seen do it. They looked at the market. They identified um, the, the low cost model, and I guess the biggest gamble that they made was if, if we offer the up. best, shiniest, nicest facilities with the nicest equipment, but with not a lot else in terms of services, and we make the the, the price point low enough, we're going to get enough members to make this thing work. And man, they have never that was they were so right. It's unbelievable how they exposed a, a portion of the market that hadn't been uh, adequately targeted yet. And so, yeah, I, I say this all the time. I think the Planet Fitness business model should be taught in every MBA program in in the United States because That's they genius man. It's in, it's unreal how well they did it. But they literally punted seventy five percent of the gym industry. They were like seventy five percent of this stuff. We're not going to do it, but we're going to do twenty five percent better than anybody. And then of course they did. And Kudos to them. I mean, that is that is an incredible gamble and one that paid off, you know, incredibly for them and whoever had that vision because they they did an excellent job and did it, you know, that portion of the market. Yeah, they did they better than anybody. They gambled and, on a whole bunch of people not showing up to what they pay for. Like, yeah, that like, was like, that's, and and they did a great job. Do I think it's do I think it's good? No, I think it's kind of like predatory, but like it was genius. Like yeah. they did an amazing job of of exploiting the fact that people pay for crap and don't show up. But won't cancel their subscription because it's only ten bucks. Yeah, that's what they found was that break point of what will people pay and not use it? Because force, you know this, like the average Planet Fitness needs about ten thousand members, right? And yeah. typically, isn't that yeah, about right? yeah, it's in that range for sure. And uh, and their show up rate uh, is is about ten to twenty percent, 
right, of their members that show up. But the, but the Planet Fitness is packed with that amount of people showing up. So if they actually had everyone show up or even 50% they, or 80%, have to, yeah, they, they, would have, they would have to raise their prices. Mm. Yep. You know, because and then and then they would be moving closer to like a one life or something like that. Exactly. So the gamble they made was like, hold up, you know, most people don't end up coming. So where's that break break even point, you know, and they found it, you know. So that's where, like, I think the people in the middle are going to be screwed because you're either one of two type of people like you're one who's just just wants the gym. And yeah, like you can go and get nice, fancy, shiny equipment, everything you need at a Planet Fitness for 10 bucks a month or. You need a bigger investment, you know, the help, the community, the coaching, and, and it's going to be a higher end product, right? So you're either one of two things, and this is with any business, like you're either the cheapest or you're the best, you know? So now in a way, like Planet Fitness has the best equipment too, but but their service is not the best. You know, like you said, they punted a lot of stuff. So yeah, it's really they have bad like people or staff. It's literally just that they choose yeah, not like, to offer you know, a bunch of the stuff that a lot of those like kind of middle price point facilities try to offer all of, you know, and I get why they do that. They do. It's just um, uh, trickier to be all things to all, all people, which is on the other end of the spectrum where, you know, CrossFit boxes and facilities like yours did an excellent job of going, okay, I'm not going to do 95% of the industry. I'm going to do 5% and I'm going to do it better with better programming and better, you know, uh, trainers and folks are going to pay a premium for that premium experience. And, and again, you know, judging by growth and the overall like, kind of boutique fitness industry, that was a good gamble too. You know, again, speaking internationally, Orange Theory is one of the fastest growing chains out there, right? Because yep. they've ID'd that market and that price point and CrossFit did a good job of this too. And, and they were right. People are willing to pay. 100 to 200 bucks a month if they feel like they get that focused intentional experience and community that they're looking for yeah and i think for our listeners you know the what they can take away from this conversation is it's just it's knowing like who you are what you need and that that's kind of now how the fitness industry is broken up you know like there's no right or wrong like with any of the models it's just what do you it's like when you're buying a car you know so um you know, like there's there's a difference between a Planet Fitness and a Coastal Strength and Fitness, and like it's okay if one's more right for you. Oh, absolutely, yeah, for sure, yeah. yeah. So to some um, people, like all they need is like a place to work out, like yeah. and they're good. You know, they have all of the like they have their programming set. They know what they're doing. They just hey, I need some weights. And dude, Planet Fitness is absolutely perfect for that. Yep, it's a place where you can lift. And, 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 and honestly, the price point allows them to also have a Coastal Fitness membership, too, if they wanted. Yeah, honestly, yeah. they could do that, no problem. Yeah, I mean, what's 10 bucks, dude? It's lunch one day. Yeah, sure. You know, like, that's it's going to Chipotle, yeah. and, and that's it. So, yeah, yeah you're right. Like, it, it gives people, like, that access of, you know, like, I can go there whenever I want. Yep. And what blows my mind is, like, now, at least out here in California, I see what's probably has to kill those the mid-level global type gyms that try to do everything with all the group classes dude i see they have just cycling studios out here for like 200 bucks a month mm. yep you know and people so, pay so yeah, no raleigh's the same way flywheel and soul cycle and um yeah i just so blanked on the other one yeah all over the yeah. place but dude, so what yeah, you're people, people what pay, you're man. seeing is like so the you know i used to work at like the gold's gym global gym and they would have yoga classes cycling classes body pump classes right all part of the membership but they're all kind of watered down, right? Like you're seeing people would rather go 
pay a premium for just a yoga studio, just a cycling studio, you know, oh, yeah. just just a boutique training resistance class, you know, so or go pay ten dollars a month for just access to equipment. You know, so then where does that leave that forty dollar a month who who tried to do everything but kind of doesn't do it as good as as the best in each each market? Yeah, you're, you're so. shrinking. Mm. That's that's what it is. Yeah, I mean that's literally the challenge to really try to find a way to offer that for those kind of like the middle seventy five percent of facilities. They have to figure out how can we truly offer that full blown yoga experience. experience or group cycle experience or whatever it is, and it's almost impossible. Uh, you know, you could make the argument that Lifetime Fitness does an excellent job of literally offering those four or five or six different boutique offerings within a giant health club. But yeah. don't forget, Lifetime's price point is up near the top again. You know, you're up over 100 bucks a month. For, oh, they're 100 bucks. Oh, yeah, they're 80 to for a family. It's mm -hmm. closer to 200 bucks a month, right? And so you're back in that price point, though. So yeah, you're going to get that experience, but you're also going to you're, you're also going to pay for it. And, and so, again, back for those, that middle 75% of, of facilities, that's the challenge, right? Like, how can we, and they kind of have to pick, right? You know, if you're 30 to 50 bucks a month, there's just no way that you can afford to do everything, all the boutiques, all the time, right? It's just next to impossible. So then you have to really focus. Pick, pick two, whatever yeah. it may be. Yeah, yeah. And because it, it comes down to people, right? Like, who's going to get the best yoga instructor, you know? The, the boutique yoga studio mm -hmm. or the Globo, the Globo gym, you know? Um, so, you know, I think the people gets overlooked, the, you know, quality of coaching and the oh, caring yeah. and all that. that. That's the biggest difference. So, but yeah, so hopefully I know, uh, I know we could talk about this stuff on and on and on. Yeah. I could, I could mm -hmm. talk about this for like four or five hours. Yes. We could just dig in. <laughs> take you wherever you want to go. <laughs> Force, where, where's the market for, um, for shoeless, uh, Movement, movement, uh, ninjas. Well, to, to my knowledge, there's not a ton of those boutiques in Raleigh yet, and I don't know of any in Charlotte yet. So there might be an opportunity here for us to break into a new market here. Yeah, um, keep keep your eyes open for this barefoot technology stuff. People are gonna start coming out with this stuff that's that's basically enabling barefoot, but just like kind of fostering to it. There's okay. some pro proprioceptive souls that are starting to come out and actually starting to boom a little bit. Um, yeah. It's gonna be the new what was, wait, watch it. What was watch that word? It. Can you spell that for me? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's like uh, it's, it's like Nabisco, I think, is the company because that's a cookie or yeah. something along that line. Nabisco, Naboso, or something. Okay, all right. Yeah, <laughs> it's so coming. So, and to circle back around for us to like your transition from you know pro athlete to father of two husband and training like what what do you think is one nugget of advice for people um you know who are into this fitness thing for life like to kind of uh to take with them one nugget of advice i think it's just to be as honest with yourself as you can right like to just really understand you know what your strengths and your weaknesses are and then what's one thing that you can do you know every week or every month something else that you can do to kind of improve a little bit like you know, for me, it was adding in a different type of uh, movement prep to my workouts when I start out, you know, just doing some shoot. Actually, Megan, my wife, is the one that, that showed it to me with, with just different mobility things to kind of prep your body for the move that you're doing. So, like, just one thing, you know, and, and, and so I, I being where you're not strong and then being willing to make some small changes. And even if you're that, – that's what's hard about change, right, is you're not going to be good at it right away. So, for me, being willing to, to, to take a step back, I kind of ID where I think I can – possibly improve 
and then be willing to kind of take a step or two back to hopefully take three or four steps forward, um, you know, after after you're able to implement it and, and, and get a little bit more efficient with whatever that, if that's a movement or if it's a type of training. And obviously it's also to be willing to give things up. Like I'm still not happy that I don't, you know, you know, get to try power cleans because they still just look so stinking cool on Instagram, right? But yeah. I have not attempted one in, in a few months because I just don't think, you know, like you were talking, I just don't think the benefit is, the benefit definitely, you know, does not outweigh um, the cost of, of doing business, so to speak, there. So being honest with yourself and then being willing to take a step back before, to, to take a couple steps forward in a, a month or two. Nice. Great advice. We just, I know Ben's chuckling. We just talked about this uh the other day, the whole, t- you know, it's how hard it is to take a couple step backs to go forward. Yeah. yeah. It so. is. Always will be. True, true. All right. Well, we'll, we'll leave you guys with that. Uh, thanks again, Forrest, for coming on. My yep. pleasure. And thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, appreciate yeah. that. Awesome. All right. We'll catch you guys next week. Later. Later. Bye. As always, thanks for listening, guys. If you want to learn more, check us out at CoastalFitnessVA.com or GaryDeagle.com. We'll see you next time.